Hi, and welcome to WexCast, the podcast series that delves into the multidisciplinary work of the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. I'm Melissa Starker, PR and Content Manager for the Wex. On Tuesday, November 21st, our performance space will host a vinyl release party for Counterfeit Madison, the stage name of Columbus musician Sharon Udo. If you've never experienced a performance from Sharon, you've seriously missed out. You're also in an increasingly small minority of local music lovers. Between her solo performances and her collaborations with a wide variety of musicians, Sharon has become an undisputed force in the Columbus music scene. On the eve of her debut of her new album, Opposable Thumbs, Sharon sat down in the recording space of her best friend and frequent collaborator, Joe Camerlingo, who's known on his own for projects including This Is My Suitcase, Van Dale, and Brat Curse. The result is a warm, funny, stream-of-consciousness chat with topics ranging from the improvisational nature of her music to her interactions with students from her day job at the Arts and College Preparatory Academy to what she hopes to give audiences with each show. Enjoy. Hi. What's my name? Um, my name's Sharon. I performed under the name Counterfeit Madison. I'm talking to my best friend, Joe Camerlango. Joe, um, what, what do you... <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> what do you what what do you even what do you even play? I mean, is it annoying for you to answer this question? Because if it is, just be like, um, shut up. But like, I guess that's not important. I was gonna ask you, what all bands do you play in right now? But like, that's probably the most annoying question, and that's not the point. That's not an annoying question. Okay. Well, hi. You don't don't why are, okay. <laughs> well, all I'm, you know, I'm projecting. The problem is I'm projecting because when I was, when I lived in Cincinnati, I played in 14 bands and like people were always just like, rattle them off right now, go, rattle them off. And I was just like, bro, like, does it matter? Are you going to come to my shows? Like, is that, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm. When people ask me what bands I'm in, I just say, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I do for real. No. Yeah. Tell tell me. Here's what I do. Sometimes I play fuzz bass in live settings for the counterfeit Madison experience. <laughs> it's the wildest musical ride of my life. And I've been in groups that have been banned for throwing too much confetti and breaking the microphones too often. <laughs> and it, they don't even touch the counterfeit Madison experience in terms of pure, unadulterated, unpracticed lunacy. <laughs> but we do it with this um, beautiful black <laughs> soul tree of a person at the helm of the ship so we get away with it pretty well mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and it's um truly the funnest thing of all the things I've ever done is playing fuzzbase for some counterfeit Madison shows when you just really want to Jesus take the wheel of the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
said we Because what's interesting to me, I'll just put this on you. Is there any focus there on our conversation? Are we just talking? We're talking about art okay, and then so like just, music. And... Okay, so here's something that interests me. Is I am in one of many iterations of Counterfeit Madison. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even really list it when I list my bands unless someone's like, I saw you play with Counterfeit Madison. And every time I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's wild. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's what, a is, wild. what is Counterfeit Madison is just such a large question. And like, I've been asked that question by people before. And I have to just quote you, Sharon, because at, I was like at the beginning, when I answered this question, I'm like at the beginning of more than half of the shows I played with Sharon. When we're starting, you're like, hi, I am Counterfeit Madison. You, you're all Counterfeit Madison. It is true, yeah. And you, it's not like it's a speech you say, but it's something I've heard you say in different cities to different groups of people. And you never say it the same way, but it's always just like, uh, they're Counterfeit Madison. Yeah, we're all just counterfeit medicine. <laughs> and so it's like the idea, and it's not like bring your kazoo, you're in the band. <laughs> what if that was, oh my God. One day someone's going to take it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to have to, you're going to have some explaining to do. But um, it's always interested me, the sides and layers of counterfeit Madison, because it's, when it's just you, what I always tell everybody is that's the best one. I've always said that. And it's not against any of the band versions, but, like, just you playing your songs is, like, the most present, mm-hmm. real experience I ever get to see. Mm-hmm. Whether you're playing, like, a guitar or I've seen you play, like, I don't know, like a million pianos or, like, electric pianos, and I've seen you do it in, like, crowded bars... And I've seen you do it in, like, basements and houses and just, like, so many different settings, so many different versions of, like, a solo set. But it's always just, like, no matter what it is, it is the most real, present version of, like, musical artistry. I feel really bad for people who listen to my music, including myself, (laughs) because... I don't think people realize, especially solo, that I have no idea what is going to happen. And that unpredictability, like I want to be able to be, I guess like I want, you know, people pay money and like give time towards experiencing what I have to offer. And with or without a well, more well, well. If it's with a band, it's with other people. But if it's without a band, I literally give. I literally give Jesus the wheel because I don't know what key something will be in. No, it's or, wild. It's or, the wild. It's the wildest. It's crazy. Goddamn thing. And I think that's why. I mean, it's influenced by like everything that happens in the room, and I everyone that's in the room, and I guess that's why, quote unquote, we're all counterfeit Madison. Um, I should make. I should put that on a shirt. That should be the sweatpants. That's what it is. We're all counterfeit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. No. Noted. <laughs> Do how what is what do 
Okay, Joe, fine. Let's let's wait. But what I was gonna say, Go just there. as a tidbit, um, oh my god, the wildest shit in the world is when you decide the key of your song before it starts. Oh my god, and I'm always standing next to just because. I've weaseled my way into so many talented friendships. <laughs> I'm always standing next Shut to somebody. Bro. Well, I just mean I'm, I have so many friends that are like songwriters and musicians in the same vein that I am. And so we think kind of similarly mm-hmm. in certain senses. And I'm always standing next to one of them for your shows usually. Yeah. And no matter who I'm with, whenever you do that shit, like whenever you're like, what is the song? Oh, what a trap. Wait, mm, we'll do it in F. Oh, what a try. And every, every time I just look at whoever's next to me, we're both just like, fuck her. That's <laughs> hater. What the? It's some How deep- are we supposed to go home? <laughs> Is anybody even waiting for us? I, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, it's an exercise in trusting the universe, I guess. What is it like? You are also a wild-ass performer, <clears throat> Mr. Camerlango. Um, what goes on in your weird-ass brain? Um, like, wh- I'm thinking of, I saw you play Vacation Head at Used Kids. For the record. Yeah, for the for record, record release. And That's I... That's Vandale. Uh, Vandale. And I am sure I was, I remember that day and I swear I left my body that day, but your brand of wildness is very, is also very specific. Where did you get that from? I get it from being, from not feeling like I am from this planet and feeling like there are. Well, what do you mean by wildness? Well, I don't know. You're like, you're like your performances are electric, and they're never the same. And you like you you look possessed. Um, yeah, well, that's just the you that's are just the power of rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, it's not. I don't think, in my opinion, I'm not saying I give performances comparable to many people. But I don't think many people do comparable performances. Yeah. Especially if you're kind of like more active on stage rather mm-hmm. than, and I don't mean this offensively, but if you're a person who's passively performing. Yeah. Like if you're standing on stage very still and the purpose of your performance is to focus on where your fingers are and putting out the most, you know, considerate performance. <laughs> Consider it. That's a good word. Consider it to the song and the music. Yeah. If that's the point of your... I have certain bands where that is it. Like Blanket Boys that I play in with Lisa um, is a co-songwriting project that's more like Simon and Garfunkel Mm -hmm. in my mind. And we just sit on chairs. It's like the only time I ever play and sit. And we just, you know, play through our music together. Yeah. And um, with just two guitars. Yeah. And so in that... I'm, I am doing that where I'm sitting there and the intention is to sound, you know, to be as locked in musically with Lisa and with each other mm-hmm. at that moment as we can. But when I'm playing with Lisa also in Vandale with Tim as the drummer and Tim is kind of like the, um, Tim is like the, 
the top of Dale Mountain, and I'm like the I'm like the avalanche <laughs> that okay. goes down. Okay, okay. Where Tim's the most Dale, but yeah. I'm I'm the most representative because I'm the most loud thing. Around. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Lisa's just the the hiker that gets <laughs> killed in the avalanche. <laughs> But she's very Dale about it. Okay. It, it works well. But my point is that um, as far as why my performances, you're asking are how did I get this way or something. I'm not reinventing any wheels, but I'm not trying to invent anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wow. Just, it's just always how I perform. Yes. You could ask someone who saw me play at a comic book shop when I was 15, ask, Max Lewis from Way Yes, he was <laughs> he yeah. was in other band. It was also his first show. Yeah, and like ask any of the kids that saw me when I was fifteen and sixteen years old, they'll be like, "Oh, he was on the floor and his guitar was swinging around yeah. his body, and he was saying fuck too much, and yeah. he was dragging the microphone across the stage." And it's not that I, the other when Vandale was touring, somebody asked me about it. They they came up to me and Tim after the set and they were like, "Hey, we we had a debate. Are you in? Um, were you ever in theater?" And I was like, "No." And they were like, "Oh, well, because your performance." You get that a lot. Yeah. I get that a lot. But then Tim even stopped him. This is like the proudest I ever was of Tim Van Dale Dad. Is he was like, "Oh, yeah, Joe's. That's not fake at all." He's like, "I can tell you that Joe's just crazy. He's just out of his mind." <laughs> Like that, he wasn't performing, and I was just like, "Thanks, Tim." Yeah, Thanks, that's, yeah. But that's—I think it just is what it is, and I know that you're the same way. There's nothing. There's nothing staged about anything that I ever do, and there's also no guarantee that I'm ever going to act any way. And I don't say that like I'm out of control, but I just mean don't expect me to be out of control. Because if I just want to stand there, I'm going to, and I've done it plenty of times. Uh-huh. Like sometimes I feel like dragging my guitar across the wall. Not all the time. No, of course not. Yeah. That would be an expensive hobby to have. <laughs> but, like, whether I'm playing with Mary Lynn or Brat Curse or Vandale or anybody, it's, or Bass Counterfeit Madison, something in my brain is just like, mm, take this bass and put it through the wall. You know it's a flimsy wall, right? And I'm like, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> for, so, for me, what it is, for me, what it is, is I feel. I feel like counterfeit Madison is an excuse for me to behave the way I really want to behave. Mm -hmm. But what happens when I play is I usually hear a voice. And I'm not sure if it is God or the devil. It's probably the devil. (laughs) But I used to be Pentecostal, so it could be the Lord. That it's usually just like, do you want to go to the other side? And like... I'll like feel like my skin like tightening up and I'll hear that question and <laughs> I always answer yes. And that's when shit gets crazy. That's when keyboards break. My students won't let me forget that one time at a show I um, said that I wanted to shit in the mouth of God. Oh, and <laughs> I said that and like... I like, Good like Lord. the room was filled with my students. So um, there's that. But uh, <laughs> I don't, I uh, don't, I don't really know what. 
any other way to be, I guess. Um, I feel like it's too late now. I feel like I started out being a really calm, like considerate. That's a really good word, performer. I don't know how to do that anymore. Um, you totally do that. Um, I do. You know, you're right. No, you're always you're always musically considerate, and it depends on the on every situation. But largely, it depends on other than the mood that you're actually in, um, like the version of your band. Yeah, And yeah. you're very considerate toward the audience at every show in a musical sense because I've never once, playing with you, or I've seen you play way more times than I've even played with you. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've never once seen you phone in any performance. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I wouldn't either, Courtney. Not to just talk about. Uh, let's people, talk I about. Think. Let's Cor- talk about Courtney. Courtney Hall's amazing and drums for so many bands. But I've I've never seen her, her phone in anything either. Yeah, she doesn't even know how to phone it in. Yeah, and it's like there's no nights where you don't try or something. Like it's there's no way to show up and not try. You can be pissed you have a show cuz yeah. you're not in the mood. Nope, that definitely <laughs> happens. But you there's no world very where often. on stage and don't are not very aware that I'm doing that and yeah. have all the same feelings. Yeah. But you don't phone anything in. You don't play bad shows. There aren't shows where you aren't there and aware that you're there and like you'll go crazy and like break your keyboard if you're playing with a rock version of your band and there's other things happening. Yeah. And it's more of an experience because what you do is similar. I would say what you do is similar to what I do and that even more, this is going to sound like a compliment to us and it might be, but I don't mean it as one. I just kind of mean it. I think more than anything, you and me create experiences more than we like play shows. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you want a guitarist, I'll list ten that are better than me, but people like coming to see me play because any number of reasons. Like, oh, he could end up covered in blood, or he could give me, like, a button (laughs) with a picture of his cat on it. And it's just, like, to me, it's more of just, like, the grand rock and roll experience that is all the things that I want to surround myself with. And it's not so much... I'm not saying it's not about the music, but, like, Seeing Counterfeit Madison, if you see you play just you, anytime I walk into a show that's just you, I think to myself, damn it, I wasn't in the mood to cry today. <laughs> and I, every single time I've ever seen it happen, especially in the last like two years, mm-hmm. just every person in the room cries because you just <laughs> like know how to set up that situation and just like not only knock it out of the park, but just like leave everyone like emotionally dumbfounded for me it's like it's the equivalent of like standing um like i always think about the image of like standing naked on like times square like the most vulnerable that you could get is like what yeah. i'm going for elena style and uh, yes how about <laughs> thank you india yo Alanis Morissette was my name. Thank you, thank you, Sanders. You already know I'm jagged. <laughs> <laughs> like a jagged little pill. Um, I guess what I... I'm going to ask you a corny question to round this ish out. I hate this stupid question. What? 
There aren't stupid questions. <sighs> That's what I say. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> Why is that a corny question? Because, like, they ask it on, like, interviews to, like, help gauge, like longevity within the company or whatever. I don't know. I've never hired... That's not true. I have hired people. But, like, I guess I don't really get the point of that question because I'm just like, bitch, like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, like, next month. Like, I don't, like... Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? And yet I ask the still the corny question. Um, I guess musically. Um, Musically, I have no idea because... Anything's possible, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, uh, yeah, that's um, true. I guess there's no way to talk about it without just talking about every part of it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I really want to do, this is the corniest answer to your corny question, but the only thing I want to do is just be with Courtney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really give a shit about any bands. <laughs> But if Vandale was still making albums and Blanket Boys were making albums and Classical Baby was ripping and Mary Lynn was ripping and I still occasionally played fuzz bass for Counterfeit Madison. Why am I crying? (laughs) Yeah, Sharon's crying right now. But I would still do all those things. Oh, and Brackers. How could I forget Brackers? I would be in Brackers till I die. Because I don't want to quit any of these things or any of these people that I love or the musical things I have with them. But where do I see myself in five years? I don't really care as long as I'm with Courtney. And if I'm not, then I'm going to be straight freewheeling. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in five years, counterfeit? Crying? <laughs> um, Probably accurate. I want... Oh my God, I need to stop crying. Okay. <laughs> what the plan is, this is the plan. I, I work at a, a high school as an enrollment coordinator. And I want to, like, keep working in education until I die. No. I want to keep working in education until I'm, like, 75. It's, like, why I'm trying to get rid of this injury, because I'm trying to, like, be healthy for a long time, until I'm, like, 75 or 80. And then for the last 10 years of my life, I want to tour incessantly. But I, I want to tour music that I've made that entire time. So like my goal for the next five years is I want to put out another LP and like, I want to become like, I want to become a regional force. Like I want to be able to tour easily in the Midwest in five years. And then I want to just keep doing that until um, it's 75 or 80 years old. Um, I also really love my boyfriend, Phil. So, yeah, like having him around would be nice in five years. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Cool. Um, But No no pressure. You know, no no pressure. No pressure, Phil. That's cool. But I, yeah, I'm releasing, like, I'm releasing an LP in a, a few weeks. I'm really excited about it. I feel like... I've made my first LP with you, and I don't think I knew exactly who I was yet. And you helped me find out who I was. And then I performed the songs on that LP and wrote more, and then I like really figured out who I was. And it's nice to release something that is like, tr- like me. 
Well, I think that's the every artist story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is even every band to band, not even every artist as a person, but like every every music career story almost without any difference yeah. is that their first release they don't really know they're writing. Yeah, it, yeah. Or they don't know why they're writing. I guess it. you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they don't. They don't. Ha- you don't. Ha- when your band is just starting, you don't have a huge idea of what mm-hmm. you're gonna be. You might have like a few key points, like oh, we don't have a thing. You know, we have a keyboard player. Like you might know things like that, but like you don't really know all the rules to being yes. in your own mind or your own project. Like when you're just. For Vandale, we didn't even know we were making our first record. It was just him, like, let's just make a bunch of songs. Yeah, and before yeah, we yeah, yeah. Written, he's like, let's go to the studio. We recorded, and then between that point and our next recordings or album, we had made all these other decisions about what did and didn't fit with the sound of our band. Mm-hmm. Like, any, yeah. Like Weezer made Blue Album. Yeah. When you come out with Blue Album, who even are you? So yeah. So they put out Pinkerton. Yeah. And everybody hated him for it. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> and he sucks. went back to school. <laughs> and then he wrote Green Album and people were like, Pinkerton's the last good one. And he's like, are you kidding and me? And it's like, what can I do to please you people? But they came out with Blue Album and they weren't a pop band. Yeah. They were this insane fuzzed out, you know, nerds, like, mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, write letters to Japanese girls yeah. and feel wild, inappropriate ways about it. But they had this pop album and this pop success, and it was like... It's, like, really hard to, like, when albums are that big, though, like, it's hard... I mean, like, how many times do you hear about albums that, like, when they were released, like... The acclaim. I mean, I guess that is Pinkerton. Like, it was just like not very well received, and later on, it was well received. And I guess. Well, that's because it was the follow-up. Yeah. So, like, you release your first thing, and then not only is there expectations you have of yourself, but there's expectations everybody has of you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not even like you have to be better than this, but it's you have to follow all the rules mm-hmm. to being yourself. Yeah, almost. It's like there's there's rules to the project. Like the the Killers, I always heard their story was um, they recorded like that first album with all the hits on it. Yeah, like somebody told me, Mr. Brightside. Bright yeah, and those songs they recorded it, uh, and that was like their demos that they were shopping. Uh huh. And then the label was just like, no, this is the album, dudes, or something. And yeah. like, there was some version of it where it almost seemed like they didn't even know they were uh-huh. making their hit album. Yeah. And then it just kind of came out. And then, you know, they've spent the rest of their career, like, <laughs> making wild decisions. Is like, it, their next album was Queen, and then their next album was the guy that produces Madonna. Is it bad that I know <laughs> that the, this album is full of hits? Am I full of myself? Like, should no. I, like... Your this album? album that's like coming out, like, is it bad that I like know that it's lit? <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't even heard it, and I know that it's lit. <laughs> it's so good. I'm I've, really excited about it. I've heard two finished songs, uh, 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 and it's uh, extremely lit. That song um, always reminds me of Queen. Um, <laughs> it reminds a lot of people either of Queen or Stevie Wonder. 
The chorus is like Stevie Wonder, but when we play the the verse, I always pretend like I'm in Queen. Uh, uh, <laughs> going on. Um, Ringo, is there anything else you would like to tell the world on this weird podcast thing, episode thing? I don't know. Let's do like ten questions. Let's pick a topic. Okay. Um. Oh shit! I totally missed a month on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this on the uh, I don't know if the listeners know this, but in Columbus, Ohio, there's a uh, there's a rapper named Envelope, <laughs> and he releases a yearly calendar. <laughs> yeah. To like record stores and stuff. It's pretty great. And it's pretty great. I. Followed it this year, obviously until thirty days ago. Decided <laughs> my life was such a wreck, I couldn't flip it. So, um, and a few hours will be on October thirty first, and um, I still have the calendar on September. <laughs> so, in honor of this, we're gonna look at this calendar right now, uh-huh. and then this page says, "If you exist, then I exist." With a Disney goat. So I'm gonna ask you ten questions. About existence. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Bless up. Okay. Um, do you exist? Barely. <laughs> Good answer. Do <laughs> yeah. I exist? Um, you definitely exist. Do you ever find yourself forgetting that you exist? Yes. All the time. Some, a lo- especially like when there's a song I wrote called Void. And I taught some of my students how to play it. Um, and, uh, and when I hear this song, I question my existence a lot with my music because I hear this song and I'm just like, oh, that's a cool song. And I sing along with it. And it's just like, Sharon, you wrote that. Like you exist as a musician and as a performer. And like I see posters or like posts about Counterfeit Madison and I'm just like, oh, that's my face. Like, Oh, that's me. Like, I, I really sometimes I forget. Really? Yes. Yes. I, like, I definitely have disassociations with the recorded versions of myself at times and, like, with photos of myself uh, or, and then definitely with songs like Void that, like, are not very much like other songs I've written, um, where I'll, I'll hear it and I'll just be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, no, no, that's mine. I wrote that. Well, the Beatles said that about, um, like, their early years, mm-hmm. like the first half of the 60s when they were doing all the touring and they were, like, the young lads that everybody loved and not these, you know, degenerate thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> but when they were, like, the Beatles Beatles, yeah. like America's Beatles. yeah. Um, they said that they would see all these articles and all these things about themselves and not... It wouldn't even occur that it was them. Yeah. Because it's all so crazy. It's, yes. That they would just see, like, you know, John and Paul, are they really here? And, like, yeah. they would just see that stuff and be like, huh, what do you think? Look at what happened to John and Paul this week. Yeah, it's, it was almost it's just super like, weird. Like, I, like, <laughs> like the, the, my picture came up on the, I, on the screen at the Wex when I was watching a documentary. And, like, wouldn't you know a bitch almost took out a camera and took a picture of it? Because I was like, oh, that's cool. I know that person. And I was just like, bitch, you cannot take... That's you. Yeah, that's why you got to take your selfie with it. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so that was good questions. Here, let me get you to the fifth one. Okay. I think we're on five. We might be on four. I don't know. Do questions even exist? Um, so yes. The next, qu- <laughs> the next question for you is, um, I guess a question also kind of about ego. I don't really know. Oh, yeah. I don't really know what it's about. Yeah. Being counterfeit Madison, yeah. being this artistic character present version of yourself that is a totally real version of yourself it's not like you're getting on stage and putting on the counterfeit mask Mm -hmm. you're just getting on stage and going oh okay (laughs) (laughs) and so being that you dissociate yourself from the artist that you actually are in reality do you find it that having this artistic version of yourself to talk about and reference to and work on makes it easier to feel like you exist because uh-huh. there's a name and a presence and pictures and writing and everybody goes and sees it and loves it? Or do you find it harder to believe that you exist because it leads you into these like, well, what is real? Does anybody love me? It, um, definitely makes it harder. I think it's, I think it's comes out the most in interactions with people like this is something that happened to me yesterday. I was at a, I was at a choir concert. Um, my church put on a choir concert um, as a benefit, and then it's all the all seven choirs that benefit this food pantry in town um, come together and sing. And so I walked in, and a guy from another church was just like, "Excuse me, are you counterfeit Madison?" And I said, "I am." And they're like, I think I saw you at such and such show, Goodale Park, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. And I held out my hand and said, I'm Sharon. And they're like, oh. oh. And like they, they're bo- they like retreat a little bit when I like said my actual name. And I think that like sometimes I'm afraid that me going by this name like is like alludes to some like mysterious part of myself when it was just an effort in my brain to compartmentalize. Um, you and needed a separation of yeah. church and state. Yes, yes, definitely, of definitely. Like art and present yes. life. And I and I and the thing is that the problem now is that like I'm in a point in my life now when that line is heavily blurred. And so I interchangeably will use, like even in people who write about me will interchangeably use Sharon and counterfeit. And I do too. Like I'll, you know, in one breath, I will say I'm counterfeit Madison. And then the next breath, I will introduce myself as Sharon. Um, And that shocks people sometimes. Um, But I, it does make it harder because that like that moment of separation that happens when I introduce myself reminds me that in other people's mind it's not the same. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's yeah, it's super no, I weird. Mean, it's, I like I No, I mean that makes it it's there's a lot of weirdness to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had a band that was called just Joseph Anthony. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is my whole birth name. Yeah. And I only ever recorded my own albums and released my own albums. Uh Uh-huh. So, 
you know, there's an extent to which it's very wild. But that project was... <laughs> that project was uh, therapy anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, so it's counterfeit. Counterfeit medicine is basically um, cheap man's therapy. Um, you guys are just watching a therapy session happen in front of you. True. You're welcome. <laughs> True. So I was watching Oprah the other day. <laughs> and Oprah's having her own experience. Mm-hmm. She's not too concerned with what the audience is feeling. <laughs> but she's having her experience. And she just knows that because she's allowing her experience to be displayed so candidly, mm-hmm. whatever the right word is, mm-hmm. that other people are going to immediately identify just as a human being on yeah. the planet. Yeah. Or most specifically for Oprah's case, as like a woman on yeah. the planet. Yeah. Like yeah. she knows that if she makes herself vulnerable yes. for herself, by herself, to herself, but makes herself vulnerable and open and like almost just she's not doing anything particularly artistic. She's just real as hell. But it is art because it's media. Yes. So by her standing in front of a camera on a set and feeling all these ways and all these feelings and all, having all these thoughts so publicly, um, she's allowing other people to to feel yeah. with her. Uh-huh. And when the, th- the thing that does makes me know counterfeit Madison is real is when I'm feeling the deepest. Like, when I do sing... What a thrill it is to discover How you roll a pattern setting a fire... Like, I, like, feel the deepness of that thrill and, like, the bittersweetness of it. And, like, those I never disassociate with. I never disassociate with the pain or, like, the ridiculousness of the subject of impossible or or the, the, like, the regrets in I don't know or, like, the, like, fuck you of, like, one and one and A to Z. I never disassociate from that. But I do disassociate sometimes from the fact that, like, I'm a performer. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's not the content that you feel separate from. It's, it's the fact the that... the personhood. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so next question. Um, John Lennon famously said, Strawberry Fields, nothing is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, but the thing... Keep asking your question, then I have a, a addendum to that. Keep going. I was going to say, is anything real? Um, <laughs> yes, but what the my favorite part of that song is the next line, and nothing to get hung about. And the thing is that I get hung up so easily on dumb bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like that is my thing. Oh, like that's my thing. Like too. getting hung up. And like sure like is is sh- and that's how I know things are real cuz I'm fucking hung up on it. And yeah, like when he says that, it's so like it's so flippant when he when he sings it. And I'm just like, Ugh! I do not relate to that at all." Nothing to... It's like... Like not not a care in the world when he sings that. And I'm just like... And I'm thinking about like... 
Like, what are like grandmas in Indonesia doing right now? And like, and like, and who, who just, what, who got accepted to college? And, and, and like, is anyone like, is, is anyone having like indigestion right now? And how can I help that? And like, who's homeless? And like, what if it's cold? And, 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 and what are these people going to do without electricity in Puerto Rico? And, 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 uh, and like, what's Beyonce doing right now? She's, she has so much money. She's probably on a yacht. How do you get a yacht? What's a yacht like? And like, I have like all the, <laughs> I have all the cares in the world. And that's how I know shit's real. Like, like, I know Beyonce is real because I care about what Blue Ivy is doing right now. <laughs> that's, that's real. I mean, yeah, her, her songs too, but like, I care about her children. Nothing to get hung about. Strawberry fields forever. That's true. All right. Um, next question. Okay. About existence. So we have our time here on Earth. Uh-huh. At least in this life or whatever that would mean. Yeah. Uh, next two questions are, do you hope there's any existence for you beyond that death moment? And do you think you're going to find any existence? Um, I think about this a lot as like a former Pentecostal. And, you know, our... Um, uh, eschatology is like the study of what happens after you're dead and Pentecostals and a lot of Christians believe that you know you go to heaven or hell and then like Catholics believe in purgatory blah 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 Um, and there's something I had a pastor named Jay Gamelin when I first moved to Columbus and I always resonated with something he said and he was just like I don't know what happens after we're dead, but if there's nothing, I would at least hope that I lived a good life. (laughs) And when I think about like people who are dead, who we can't access, like, for example, the, the big ones for me right now are David Bowie and Prince. And I think about like their legacy and like the joy that their art brings to people and brought to people I mean, I don't know. Let's let's keep going. Like let's like we can go Aaliyah. We can go John Lennon. We can I mean, let's let's go into other things, other other types of personalities like Muhammad Ali. Like when I think about legacy, like I think legacy is so great that I'm not sure if I really care about what happens after I'm dead. I just want to, I just want people to remember that one time the counterfeit Madison made them like feel like remember like what love was like, like that's what I want. Or like, I want someone, I want someone to recall like, a like, like a moment where they're so fucking pissed off that they want to burn things at a counterfeit Madison show. Like, that's what I want people to remember the most genuine parts of themselves. So I don't really care if there's anything after life. I just want to make sure that like my like knee works so I can like live as healthily as possible. I've been thinking a lot about like what like 
like what it's like to have like your like brain and body start fading and and like your body system start. Oh my God. I think about it every day. Right? Like I've been thinking <laughs> about it a lot because I'm so young, but all these old fuckers, they were all so young at one time. And like one day I'm going to be like super fucking old and remember what it was like to be 36. I, I just want to make sure that I'm making decisions now that keep me as healthy as long as possible because damn, it feels really fucking good to make music and to share it with people. And I want to do it as long as possible. Absolutely. Cool. Hmm. Okay. So you die. Okay. Which I've said it. I've said it more times than I could even fathom a number for, but I've said to so many people in so many different settings I think the hardest death to ever deal with in my life, other than, like, probably my mom and, like, whoever I was with, like, you know, like, a family, will be, like, if I outlive Sharon. Because that will be, like, there will be something about it that would be the equivalent of, like, waking up and somebody being like, oh, America's crumbled. And you'd yeah. just be like, what? And they're like, no, no, no. There's just no more. You're sitting in a pile of dirt. And everything's <laughs> dirt now. That would be the life where somebody said, like, oh, Sharon wasn't here. Yeah. And not to say I wouldn't get over everybody else, but there's always been some. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've gone. I'll go on record again, ladies and gentlemen. I've said, if there's a God, it's counterfeit. <laughs> I would go oh. on that record any day. Yeah, you don't get to say it. <laughs> if I didn't think it, then I wouldn't. I would sin more often. <laughs> Instead, I live a pretty pious life because <laughs> I believe in a god, and I'm I'm in the band. <laughs> it's easy to do. But say we get to the day, yeah, where Sharon dies, mm-hmm. and you go to this. Other place. Mm-hmm. My last two questions about yeah. existence for you. Yeah. I, here's three. Okay. Because I think I have three left. So one is, is there anything you hope that all the people would focus on? Not that you would know that yet. Yeah. Because seemingly you'll, you have another hundred years. But Warning. Tears are, tears are approaching. Okay, Keep good. going. Good. <laughs> and then the next two questions are, when you get there and you show up at the gate, and, you know, some cool animated cat is sitting at the door and he's God. just like, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what is your first thought toward like, well, holy shit, we're here. Like, do you think you'd be excited, scared? I just want to know. If stereotypical heaven is real, how would Counterfeit Madison roll up? <laughs> and then what's the first song you hope you hear when you walk through the gates? Okay. You can answer in any order. <laughs> uh, I'll answer that order. Um I have a lot of flaws. I have a shit ton of flaws. I am impulsive, impatient, overly emotional. I'm a Leo. That comes with a whole bunch of other shit. Um, I am really good at admitting when I'm wrong. And I really wish that humans were better at that. And I guess one thing that I would want to leave behind is like 
like the power of the vulnerability of admitting that you might be wrong and like casting aside ego is like a big thing that I wish that I saw more of today um, that I'm practicing. And it's not, I've, it's hard to say that because it makes it sound like I am God. Well, you did just say that. Okay. I'm not. You can't go- be your own God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it makes it sound like I found the answer. No, I haven't found the answer. I'm still a giant fucking fuck up. But like, I, I, I found a lot of power. I'll say this. I found a lot of power in vulnerability and I really hope I would hope that if I were dead, that people would consider getting on that boat with me. Um, uh, If I showed up to heaven and an animated cat... Or just whoever they say is at the gates. I'll go with animated cat. Yeah, just like a Felix-type character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Slightly bigger than you think you would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's almost like, you're a cat. You're not supposed to be this big. <laughs> but I guess you're animated and I'm dead. So <laughs> um, if they... If, I don't know if I would... I don't know if I would be excited because stereotypical heaven has a lot... I. what I imagine it to be, and maybe I'm holding on too much to my religious background, but it has a ton of people who um, followed a lot of rules. And I guess that I've just never been good at following all the rules. So heaven's too square. Heaven might be a little too square for me. And, you know, there's like, you know, but the alternative is like, of course, hell. And I don't really want to hang out with Hitler, for Purgatory. like eternity. Purgatory There's, is probably like ace or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang out with like <laughs> tall ceilings, I, dark <laughs> patio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd be chill. I don't know if I would really enjoy being in heaven. I feel like I feel like heaven is made of people who maybe weren't that vulnerable at times. I do not know. So um, you'd roll past heaven and be like, psych! <laughs> I think I also <laughs> just have a lot of hatred, like a lot of purebred hatred for a few people on earth. Um, you know, like people high, people low, like the Paul Ryans and the Paul Manaforts of the world, along with, you know, a few of my ex-girlfriends. And I probably would be denied, like, like, Animated Felix Cat would be like Sharon. In order for you to enter these gates, you have to let go of your hatred of um, of ex girlfriend number five. And I'd be like, "Fuck you, animated cat!" Like, no, <laughs> you can't hate people in heaven. I don't think so. Are you serious? No, hatred oh. is like hatred is the absence of love, and like it comes from you know a root of fear of like. Fear of being hurt or fear of letting go or whatever. And like, I choose to fucking hold on to that hatred right now. (laughs) Maybe when I'm 80, like, I'll like be blissfully happy and over all the trauma that like all those fucking girls and like Paul Ryan's fucking face causes me. So, like, maybe. 
Maybe by then I'll be okay. But okay, um, so we'll leave and, heaven out of the equation. We'll opt for a. But if a I was to spot. enter purgatory, yeah. um, the song I would want to hear is Dave Bowie's "Let's Dance." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Period. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. I think all the music in Purgatory is probably on vibraphone. <laughs> Hear that, Noah? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yeah. Let's dance. David Bowie. Yeah. Cool. Um, that was really fun. Thanks. That was great. Is um, that it? Uh, Counterfeit Madison. That, that that's me. Um, um buy, buy, and buy, I'm buy, buy buy my record. Buy buy the record, you I'm, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I. It's really hard. I'm Midwestern, and Midwestern people, we aren't good. We, we you know. It, it, it's considered we aren't good. Midwestern people are not good. <laughs> it's hard because in the Midwest, you're considered cocky if you like pump your own shit. But like, I'm just gonna go on record and say that I am fucking awesome. And my record is really beautiful. I just can't, like, I can't deny it. Like, I am. I am really, really, I'm a beautiful human being. And my record is beautiful. And I yeah. want to share it with you. Ow. It's fucking sweet. I'm just not going to try to be humble about it. Like, Preach. it's the truth. It's just the truth. It's not like, it's not like Kanye, where I think I'm better than everybody else. No, 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 no. I'm just saying me, Sharon Udaw, Counterfeit Madison, alone, I'm amazing. And my record is amazing. And I would like to share it with you, and you should purchase it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you heard it here first. Counterfeit Madison is God, <laughs> by the record, by the Bible. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>